O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, August the 5th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Re, and it means see. Deuteronomy 14, 16-29 The little owl, the great owl, and the white owl, the pelican, the buzzard, the cormorant, the stork, and a variety of huron, the hoopoe, and the bat, all winged swarming things are unclean for you, they may not be eaten. You may eat only clean winged creatures. You shall not eat anything that has died a natural death. Give it to the stranger in your community to eat, or you may sell it to a foreigner. For you are a people consecrated to Hashem your God. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. You shall set aside every year a tenth part of all the yield of your sowing that is brought from the field. You shall consume the tithes of your new grain and wine and oil and the firstlings of your herds and flocks in the presence of Hashem your God, in the place where He will choose to establish His name, so that you may learn to revere Hashem your God forever. Should the distance be too great for you, should you be unable to transport them because the place where Hashem your God has chosen to establish His name is far from you, And because Hashem your God has blessed you, you may convert them into money. Wrap up the money and take it with you to the place that Hashem your God has chosen, 
and spend the money on anything you want, cattle, sheep, wine, or other intoxicant, or anything you may desire. And you shall feast there in the presence of Hashem your God and rejoice with your community. But do not neglect the Levite in your community, for he has no hereditary portion as you have. Every third year you shall bring out the full tithe of your yield of that year, but leave it within your settlements. Then the Levite, who has no hereditary portion as you have, and the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow in your settlements, shall come and eat their fill, so that Hashem your God may bless you and all the enterprises you undertake. Ezra 1, 1 1-270 In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, when the word of Hashem spoken by Jeremiah was fulfilled, Hashem roused the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation throughout his realm by word of mouth and in writing as follows. Thus said King Cyrus of Persia, God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me with building him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Yehuda. Any one of you, of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, that is in Yehuda, and build the house of God of Israel, the God that is in Jerusalem. And all who stay behind, wherever he may be living, let the people of his place assist him with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, besides the freewill offering in the house of Hashem that is in Jerusalem. So the chiefs of the clans of Yehuda and Benjamin, and the Kohanim and the Leviim, all whose spirit had been roused by Hashem, got ready to go up to build the house of Hashem that is in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver vessels, with gold, with goods, with livestock, and with precious objects, besides what had been given as a freewill offering. King Cyrus of Persia released the vessels of Hashem's house, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken away from Jerusalem and had put in the house of his God. These King Cyrus of Persia released through the office of Medridrath, the treasurer, who gave an inventory of them to Sheshbazar, the king, prince of Yehuda. This is the inventory. Thirty gold basins, one thousand silver basins, twenty-nine knives, thirty gold bowls, four hundred ten silver double bowls, one thousand other vessels, in all, 5,400 gold and silver vessels. Sheshbatzar brought all these back when the exiles came back from Babylon to Jerusalem. These are the people of the province who came up from among the captive exiles whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried into exile to Babylon, who returned to Jerusalem and Yehuda, each to his own city who came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, Nechemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, Bana, the list of the men of the people of Israel. 
the sons of Parosh, 2,172, the sons of Shephatiah, 372, the sons of Ara, 775, the sons of Pehath Moab, the sons of Yeshua and Joab, 2,812, the sons of Elam, 1,254, the sons of Zatu, 945, the sons of Zachai, 760, the sons of Bani, 642, the sons of Bebai, 623, the sons of Asgad, 1,222, the sons of Adonikam, 666, the sons of Bigvi, 2,056, the sons of Aden, 454, the sons of Atter, Hezekiah, 98, the sons of Bezai, 323, the sons of Jorah, 112, the sons of Hashem, 223, the sons of Gebar, 95, the sons of Bet Lechem, 123, the sons of Nidophat, 56, the sons of Anathoth, 128, the sons of Asmaveth, 42, the sons of Kiriath Aram, Shafira and Bira, 743, the sons of Rama and Giba, 621, the men of Michmas, 122, the men of Bet-El and Ai, 223, the men of Nebo, 52, the sons of Magbish, 156, the sons of the other Elam, 1,254, the sons of Haram, 320, the sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 725. The sons of Jericho, 345. The sons of Sena, 3630. The Kohenim, the sons of Jediah, the house of Yeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1052. The sons of Pasher, 1247. The sons of Haram, 1017. The Leviim, the sons of Yeshua and Cadmiel, the sons of Hodaviah, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 128. The gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Ater, the sons of Talman, the sons of Akub, sons of Hatita, sons of Shobai, all told, 139. The temple servants, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Hasufa, the sons of Tabaoth, the sons of Keros, the sons of Siaha, the sons of Padon, the sons of Labana, the sons of Hagaba, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hagab, the sons of Selmai, the sons of Hanan, the sons of Gidel, the sons of Gahar, the sons of Ria, the sons of Rezin, the sons of Nakoda, the sons of Gazim, the sons of Uzza, the sons of Pasiah, the sons of Basai, the sons of Asna, the sons of Meunim, the sons of Nefusim, the sons of Bakbuk, the sons of Hakupfa, the sons of Harhar, the sons of Bazluth, the sons of Mehida, the sons of Harsha, the sons of Barkos, the sons of Sisera, the sons of Tima, the sons of Nazia, the sons of Hatifa, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Hasophereth, the sons of Peruda, the sons of Jela, the sons of Darkon, the sons of Gedel, 
the sons of Shephatiah, the sons of Hattil, the sons of Pokereth, Hazabim, the sons of Ami, the total of temple servants, and the sons of Solomon's servants, 392. The following were those who came up from Tel-Mila, Tel-Harsha, Cherub, Aden, and Immer. They were unable to tell whether their father's house and descent were Israelite. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, 652. Of the sons of Kohanim, the sons of Habiah, the sons of Hakos, the sons of Barzillai, who had married a daughter of Barzillai and had taken his name. These searched for their genealogical records, but they could not be found, so they were disqualified for the priesthood. The Tershatha ordered them not to eat of the most holy things until a Kohen with Urim and Thummim should appear. The sum of the entire community was 42,360, not counting their male and female servants, those being 7,337. They also had 200 male and female singers, their horses, 736, their mules, 245, their camels, 435, their donkeys, 6,720. Some of the chiefs of the clans, on arriving at the house of Hashem in Jerusalem, gave a freewill offering to erect the house of Hashem on its site. In accord with their means, they donated to the treasury of the work gold, 6,100 drachmas, silver, 5,000 manim, and priestly robes, 100. The Kohanim, the Leviim, and some of the people, and the singers, gatekeepers, and the temple servants took up residence in their towns and all Israel in their towns. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-2-5 But the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Yeshua crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Yeshua the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yes, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. 
But of him are you and Yeshua, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that, according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Yeshua and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Psalm 27, 7-14 Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Yahweh, will I seek. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Proverbs 20, 22 and 23 Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save you. Various weights are an abomination to the Lord, and a false balance is not good. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Ezra, and I'm going to just share the introductory comments and remarks from the Israel Bible about this book. It's very well done, and it kind of gives you a nice context and a framework for the whole book of Ezra as well as Nehemiah. Sefer Ezra and Nehemiah is the penultimate book of the Hebrew Bible. Though comprised of two smaller books, Ezra and Nehemiah were joined as they concisely discussed the same general era, the final period included in the Tanakh. While some of the recorded events occur in faraway Persia, modern-day Iran, The focus of the book is the realization of the yearning of the Jewish exiles to return to Eretz Israel. Many people associate the term Zionism only with the movement that began in the late 19th century with the Jewish emigres who returned to the land of Israel in what became known as the first Aliyah. In truth, however, the term Shivat Zion returning to Zion, was first used in reference to those who returned from the Babylonian exile with Ezra and Nehemiah some 2,500 years ago. 
Scholars have pointed out the two events share similar characteristics. In both cases, the majority of exiles did not opt to return, and most of those who did come were young, driven by idealism, and without strong ties to their host countries. Indeed, history, especially Jewish history, tends to repeat itself. Seventy years before the reign of the Persian King Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians took control of the land of Israel, exiling the inhabitants of Yehuda and destroying Jerusalem and the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. One might have expected the Judean people to disappear in the Babylonian exile, as had happened to their brothers from the northern kingdom, following the earlier exile at the hands of Assyria. But incredibly, as the prophet Jeremiah had predicted, they persisted. To assure their survival, they adopted a three-step approach. Remember the past, live in the past, and hope for the future. And within that projected future, Eretz Israel was always central. Nehemiah begins with Cyrus's proclamation allowing the Jews to return to Israel and rebuild the Beit HaMikdash. While some Jews did heed the call, and many chose to remain in Persia, where, over the years of Babylonian rule, they had become comfortable and had built a life for themselves. The returnees are met with resistance and hardship, and the construction of the temple is halted until the second year of the reign of King Darius. In response to the encouragement of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, construction of the Beit HaMikdash resumes and is finally completed in Darius's sixth year. A short time later, in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes, Ezra, a scribe expert in the teaching of Moses, brings a second wave of returnees to the land of Israel, with Nehemiah following thirteen years later. Ezra and Nehemiah were both reformers, but while Ezra implemented spiritual reforms, Nehemiah focused on pragmatic matters involving the country's material infrastructure. Ezra's attention turns to combating assimilation, promoting Jewish education, and reestablishing a proper system of justice. Nehemiah concentrates on physically reestablishing Jewish communities and reconstructing the fortifications of Jerusalem. Both aspects were essential for the survival of the nation. Like Nehemiah, the early 20th century Zionists were mostly responsible for building the country physically. However, as modern-day Israel's first chief rabbi, Abraham Isaac Cook, commented, even the most mundane tasks, like plowing a field or building a home, if performed in Israel, constitute a fulfillment of the Word of God. All 24 books of the Hebrew Bible relate to Eretz Israel, but this is the only one that is dedicated to the rejuvenation of the land and its people and the Torah laws. Our generation has merited seeing these words come to life before our eyes. It is therefore our privilege and obligation to study this book in order to learn and benefit from the successes and failures, core messages, and divinely inspired wisdom that relates to the Jewish people's first attempt at resettling the land of Israel in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I would add to that commentary that 
when Trump was president of the United States and he did so much to bless and benefit Israel, including moving the embassy from Tel Aviv back to Jerusalem and declaring that the Golan Heights belonged to the nation of Israel, that he was compared by the rabbis and the leaders of the nation as a modern-day Cyrus, and they minted a coin with the silhouette of Trump and Cyrus side by side. So he is considered a very great leader and a very great friend to the nation of Israel and was compared to Cyrus, who is, was the king of Persia and who gave the decree that the people, the Jews, could return back to the land of Israel, to Jerusalem, to build the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. Now I want to take a look at Romans, or actually 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and take a look at verses 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yes, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. This is a very deep principle. It's related to uh, another principle. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when God was getting ready to choose the king of Israel, he chose the least. He chose David, the youngest, the least of all of his brothers. And when we look at things from a worldly perspective or a human perspective, we think, oh, well, this person or this organization, they, they shine, they, they're famous, they have a great following, uh, they're, they have lots of money, and so this person God is going to use in a great way. But actually, it's the people that are unknown, that have no fame, that are weak, that are broken, that are completely unknown, that perhaps God uses the most. Somebody like even Mother Teresa, who fed the hungry in India out of the love of Jesus, Yeshua, that she did this. And so the people who work in the soup kitchens and who help the homeless and who provide, uh, open up their churches at night in the cold winter nights for the homeless and who help open up the soup kitchens to keep the hungry fed. Um, they're nameless, they're faceless, they're not famous, they're not on TV. But what they're doing is of great value and the Lord sees the Lord chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So you, my friend, have been chosen. And so even though the world, by the world's measuring rod, measuring stick, might say that you or I, that we are a failure, we don't have tons of money, we're not famous, we don't have all these worldly attributes, um, Actually, in the eyes of the Lord, you are very, very treasured and valued and significant. You may even have experienced some of this even within a family. Sometimes within a family, you can have 
uh, brothers and sisters and maybe one member of the family is extremely successful in a worldly way and they make very good money and they have a good uh, career going and they own a house and you know everything looks good on the outside and then another family member that is very poor and maybe is on public assistance or is homeless or whatever it might be and so there's even discrimination within that family because of the economic differences between the one and the other, being in the lower class versus the middle or the upper class. And yet, God loves to walk with those who are humble and not prideful. Finally, I want to take a look at Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What is that talking about? What does it really mean to wait? Like when you wait in line to buy a ticket? Or you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting and waiting and waiting? What what is this... We're being told here to wait upon the Lord, to be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And then even today in the Proverbs, ch- chapter 20, verse 22, say, do, n- do not say, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord. What is it that we're waiting for? I believe it is that we're waiting upon the Lord for him to orchestrate circumstances. In other words, if there's been a great evil or injustice that has been done to you or to me, um, this is saying, wait upon the Lord and he will recompense. He will make things right. He will set things in order and he will establish his justice in your situation. Don't take matters into your own hands. And in verse 13 and 14 of Psalm 27, again, he's talking about all these adverse circumstances. My own father and mother have forsaken me. Deliver me not to the will of my enemies. False witnesses have risen up against me. So all these things are coming against the psalmist. And then he goes on to say, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of courage, and he will strengthen your heart. So you wait upon the Lord, and he is going to orchestrate circumstances. And it teaches us patience. It teaches us to trust him and to wait on him to make things right, to open the door, to grant favor, to um, resolve a situation. It teaches us to be patient and to wait on him and to trust him and to depend upon him instead of taking matters in our own hands. And this is a lesson that's very important to learn in our walk. Not to take matters in our own hands, but to wait upon the Lord. And then once he orchestrates, once he opens the door, then of course we walk through the door. We, you know, we wait. There's a time to pray, and there's a time to put feet to our prayers, to, t- to take action. But too many times we take action, and then we don't pray at all. 
or we take action and then afterwards we pray and ask for God's blessing upon what we just did. But the real wisdom is to wait upon the Lord and pray and wait. And then when he orchestrates and opens the door, then we can take action and step through the door and put feet to our prayers. Okay, have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.